The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by one of the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Will Lomas. Matias is still in Barcelona. He will rejoin us uh, later in the week this weekend for our post-draft coverage. This will be um, our, our last episode prior to the draft. And what Will and I are going to be doing today is what we did live last year, but we're going to do it pre-recorded this year is we're going to do a mock draft of the first round. And, Will, if you'll explain kind of how this works. Yeah, so we'll just go through and alternate picks and try to predict what other teams, uh, not what they will do necessarily, but what they should do based on how we look at people. So based on everything we've heard and seen and, you know, given an outsider's perspective on those teams, you know, who they should draft and, I mean, we just go back and forth, and one of us ends up with the Titans. And, you know, if it's Luke, sometimes he trades up with himself. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I think the key thing to note about this before we begin is we're not pretending to be genies here, or, or not a genie, like a prophet. We're not, we're not trying to predict. We're trying to be a GM and say, what would we do? And so, you know, we might make a pick that's, you know, not kosher in the sense that you don't see it in other mock drafts. But, that, but that's because we're not trying to predict. We're saying, what should this team do? And, and as you alluded to, Will, last year, I believe I traded up with myself at one point. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, For which Harold was Landry, great. Right? It was prescient. He drafted uh, Harold Landry, if yeah. I remember right, which was great. Yeah. So uh, so I've got a coin in my hand, and we're, I'm literally just going to flip the coin to see who's going to go first. And we're going to alternate the picks all the way down from 1 to 32. So if it's heads, I'll go first. If it's tails, you will go first. It is tails. So, Will, you are the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, okay. So, 
Is it Kyler Murray? Because I had a feeling that if I had that pick, I would not take Kyler Murray because I'm a Josh Rosen fan. Uh, Yeah, okay. So if this was three months ago and I could stop the Cardinals from essentially like not slandering, but whatever you would call it, they're like they're totally not behind Rosen, I would stop them from doing that. I mean, I, I would get out in front of that and say, you know, Shut your mouth and take the best player available, which is Quinn and Williams. So, in if I could go back in time, this pick would be Quinn and Williams. Like I love Bosa, I love yeah. Allen, I like all those guys. But there's one player who you watch, and every snap he's either very difficult to block by like high level talent, like Eric McCoy from Texas A&M, or he's beating everybody else in front of him. I mean. If he, and this we can talk about this later, but if he would have gone against Garrett Bradbury, he would have had 12 sacks because he is just Garrett Bradbury's worst nightmare. He is a power rusher who, you know, has enough finesse uh, to get around you. But I'll, I'll I'll delay that for another time. But this pick right now has to be Kyler Murray because they painted themselves into a corner. It shocks me that they haven't already traded him. I, I traded Josh Rosen. I'm. I don't understand why. I guess they're holding out for the four, top four quarterbacks to go off the board. But, I mean, the rumor yeah. is they want to trade him to uh, the Chargers, who are currently offering the highest pick, if I remember correctly, which is supposed to be a second-round pick, and everybody else else is offering a third or below. Uh, the other speculation is that the uh, Redskins may jump into that. But, I mean – if the board falls funny and the Chargers are like, you know what, we think we can get a player in the second round who's fine and we can draft Will Greer or Stidham or one of those guys in the late first, which the rumors are going around that that's an option, then all of a sudden the Cardinals are going to end up with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray on the team. And if they stay committed to Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray could just leave and go play baseball. And if uh, they, if they don't get behind Rosen, then they're sitting there with an asset that's just depreciating in value as time goes on. So the pick right now has to be Kyler Murray because of where they put themselves, but it's it's the wrong pick. Before we move on to the 49ers, here's my problem with Kyler Murray. It's never been the size. It's never been you know any of that stuff. It's that his playing style is so unconventional And that, quite frankly, scares me because I'm typically a guy that if I'm a coach and if I'm a general manager, I want someone in a Josh Rosen mold. Not that I'm saying I want to necessarily, you know, a standard dropback passer. You know, I'd take someone like a Ryan Tannehill, but but someone who still isn't gimmicky. And I feel like Kyler Murray is a bit gimmicky in his game. And, and I know if I told some people that, they would criticize me. But, you know, he can only do this running around stuff for so long. And the, comp- and the comparison you hear is Russell Wilson. But what you forget about Russell Wilson is that not only is he extraordinarily accurate and not only does he have a very good arm, but Russell Wilson had multiple years of experience as a starter in college doing it on a high level of success – and Russell Wilson also has an A-plus personality, and I don't think you can say the same thing about Kyler Murray for two reasons. One of them, as you mentioned, Will, this is he a baseball player? Is he a football player? Is he completely sold on one or the other? Is he going back and forth? And then kind of the nightmarish week he had before the Super Bowl where he had that incredibly awkward appearance on the Dan Patrick show. 
you know, every time I listen to him talk, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know that this guy can command a room. I don't know that he's that likable in terms of his personality, and that scares me, and I don't want to, you know, put my franchise into his hands. Yeah, I mean, that those are all good points, by the way. It, it, it does not help him that he played with one of the most innovative, innovative offensive coaches exactly. in football and in Lincoln Riley, and, and that he played with maybe two of the most fun receivers to watch last year in Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb, who people don't talk about because he's young. But, I mean, C.D. Lamb is maybe the best, you know, player on that team. I mean, not just best receiver, but, I mean, he is outstanding. And maybe I just watched him live and I was impressed because he made big catches in big moments and he's not actually that good all the time. But, I mean – Right now, if I had to rank people for next year's draft, C.D. Lamb would be very high. He, he's outstanding. So when you have those kind of guys you're throwing to and also five-star running backs deep and you have the most experienced, probably the most talented offensive line across the board and you're playing Baylor and you're putting up big numbers, it's not it's not as impressive as it would be if you were playing in a conference with real opponents and real exactly. talent. And it's it's – a big issue that people are not talking about because they're so busy talking about is height, which, you know, height, whatever, weight, I'm more concerned about. I, I mean, I think it's maybe it's my bias with seeing Marcus Mariota. Like, maybe, maybe I just, Mariota's been so injured through his career that I haven't, like, been able to recover from that perception. But having a small quarterback, like a slender quarterback, scares me in the NFL, just like it does mm-hmm. with small wide receivers and everything like that. So, I, I don't know. It's it's a concern that people need to have on top of the other concerns. So if you're picking Murray number one, that leaves me at a two with San Francisco with probably who they're going to have in real life available. Though I would say that Quinn and Williams is the best player available. I'm not taking Quinn and Williams. My my struggle is not with him because the 49ers have taken so many freaking interior defensive linemen over the years that I could not punish them with another one. Because there's yeah. Eric Armstead and uh, DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas all at that spot. So can't go there. My issue is, do I take Nick Bosa or do I take Josh Allen? Because I really like Josh Allen. I like his versatility, but it's not just his versatility because I feel like people can – kind of get too caught up in versatility as being a talent but he's good at everything he does it's not just like you know I'm taking this guy because he can play receiver and running back like I'm, I'm taking I would take him because he's good at everything he does but I don't I don't want to overthink it I'm just going to uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Nick Bosa which is probably the safer choice yeah I mean Bosa is outstanding you know there's I don't like to say injury concerns because he really only had the one core muscle injury that he kind of babied for a while, uh-huh. which he should do. Like he wasn't getting paid to play at the college level. Like you should, you know, protect your millions and the money that'll help you forever. But that that's kind of knocking him on some people's boards. Apparently it also doesn't help that Joey Bosa can't stay healthy. It, it's, it looks bad on them as a unit that, you know, Joey came in, he kind of struggled early, and he missed a bunch of games last year, and now Nick skipped some games. It's like, you know, are they just injury-prone? Is there something about their frame, yeah. you know, from a genetic standpoint? Well, because they're very I, similar in terms of their playing style. Oh, yeah, and people talk about that, and again, like, I really like Nick Bosa. 
Joey Bosa was better. Like Joey Bosa was a like slightly more athletic, maybe not like maybe not more technically refined. Maybe they're similar in that. But Bosa was a guy who you know when you were watching him, you were like that guy is amazing. And yeah. when people said you know like he has concerns about you know he only had eight sacks or something, it was like it that doesn't matter. Like he could I mean he could add zero sacks last year and you should have trusted him. But Nick sometimes with him it's not that he does the wrong thing it's just like joey seemed to have like this you know third eye like he could just see what was going to happen before it happened and he was never getting upfield when it was going to be a run that was cut back underneath like a draw play he was never like you know hesitant to rush back it seemed like he knew for whatever reason what the other team was going to do and that's carried over to the nfl i mean he's very rarely out of position so i think it hurts Nick Bosa's future that his last name's Bosa, but it'll get him drafted a little bit higher than he should. Cause you're right. Josh Allen should be in that conversation, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately this is going to be Bosa just because it makes so much sense. You're up with the jets. Yeah. So this, this one's easy. I'm going to take Allen. Yeah. Uh, I think people are too low on Allen when they say that the top tier of the draft is Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa. And then there's a drop. It's not the, the top tier of the draft is Quinnen Williams like he's he is a special player I I mean I don't know how many times I've seen a, again I'm going to talk about Quinnen Williams too much because I just am enamored with him but I'll go back to Allen it, there's very few players at, that play off the ball linebacker in this draft who can drop into coverage as smooth as Allen can so you can bring those zone blitzes where you overload one side even though you show Allen coming down it allows you to be really aggressive with your fronts so, from a schematic standpoint, Allen is a fantastic fit for what you know Greg Williams will do and what you know what they're trying to get up, get done up there in New York. But I mean, we talked about this before the podcast. New York has never like had a good pass rusher. I think somebody said it's been like double digit years since they've had a pass rusher with more than ten sacks. Like it, it's something crazy like that. It's yeah. I mean, and for every year they seem to have a chance to take one, and they just don't. And some years it's good. Like Leonard Williams was definitely the right pick the year they took him. But it, there, I mean, you had Jacksonville like, taking Dante Fowler instead yeah. of Leonard, Williams and look at where that got him. So, you know, the, obviously very, Darnold had to be the choice last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that they had to do. But I mean, this is like a ten year. I mean, ten twelve year issue. Like, I mean for whatever reason, that organization seems not to value edge rushers high. And I don't know if that's an ownership thing. I, I don't know if that's just a weird coincidence, but for whatever reason, they tend to drift away from that. But this is a year where the edge class is outstanding. If there's one there, you should take him. And there, there's not many guys built like Allen, so you should take him now. So that puts me on the clock with the Raiders. And I'm going to end Quinn and Williams' merciless slide with this pick. Don't know that it requires much of an explanation. Best player on the board, freak of nature kind of guy. Just He's going to get a lot of sacks for John Gruden, and it's rare that you find a guy like that on the inside of the defensive line with that kind of sack potential. Yeah, I mean, he's he's outstanding. They, they have two good defensive tackles now, but if Hurst Health checks out and they get – Quinnen Williams next to him, then, I mean, that's the best defensive tackle pairing in football. And they're also, like, they're a rookie and a second-year player. I mean, you get those guys basically for free for four years. So, I guess three years because Hurst was a later-on pick. But, 
I mean, yeah, like if, if you're the Raiders, I guess there's other ways you could spend this pick, but all of them are foolish and you're just trying to be too cute and overthink things. Like, don't put yourself in a position to have to draft somebody who's not very good later in the draft and allow yourself to take a blue chip player when you have first round picks. So, yeah, Quinnen Williams just makes so much sense. You are up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It would have been really funny if I wouldn't have taken uh, Kyler Murray with the first because I would have taken him with the fifth <laughs> uh, because they, they do need to upgrade quarterback. I'm not going to pick a quarterback because I think Murray is probably the only guy who I think should be a first-round quarterback. All the rest of them just don't do it for me. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll move past that. The real issue here is with Tampa Bay, their offensive line is so bad. I mean, they could use help. I think they paid their left tackle a whole bunch of money, but other than that, like I don't think anybody on that offensive line is really that good. They're stacked at wide receiver, but and everybody wants to talk about the defense, and I'll get there. But you know, you really have to consider a guy. Like if you love one of these offensive linemen, you have to consider him here because at this point, if Jameis Winston gets trashed, like it just gets killed next year and Bruce Arians' offense doesn't run very well, you're going to run into a weird situation where all of a sudden, like, you know, Mike Evans is getting a little bit older, he's getting a little bit of wear and tear, and he's had, you know, two or three seasons in a row where his team has just been garbage. Bruce Arians might not think this offense is as fun as it was if he has to replace the quarterback position. I mean, this is a big year for Tampa Bay, so that that has to be consideration, but ultimately I just it will lose in uh, – I'm blanking on the linebacker's name, but losing him in free agency, like it's it's tough, and there's only two good linebackers in this draft. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Devin Bush. Which really? Is not oh, not not Devin White. No, Devin Bush. I, okay. I Devin Bush. Devin okay. Bush. I respect this. I respect yeah, this. Devin Bush plays with his hair on fire. Like I, I, there there was concern last year that he he you know he wasn't instinctive enough and he wasn't reading blocks. And that may have been true last year, and I've seen some of it, and it is, you know, okay. Like, sometimes he takes a step to the left instead of the step to the right that he's supposed to take. But nine times out of ten, his athleticism takes him back to the play. So it's ultimately a moot point. But this year, he did not have those missteps. Like, and when he did, they were very rare. But he comes with bad intentions. Like, he is a guy who, it doesn't matter, like Rashawn Evans was last year, it doesn't matter if you're very clearly about to go down. If he can legally hit you, he's going to hit you. He's athletic enough to cover – I mean, he can cover the deep middle. He can go man-to-man. Like, he can do almost anything you want him to do. Like, he is and, – and there's not a huge gap between Bush and White on my board. But, I mean, it's it's like a one-point gap where it's enough to say, like, okay, I clearly like Bush better. And I believe he tested – I mean, I think they both tested, like, some high 90 percentile uh, of athletes. So, at that point, you're just picking what flavor you like. And – you know, I watch the SEC every week. You know, I, that's that's not factoring into this. I'm not I'm not against the SEC for any reason. But when you watch Bush play, it's just like he's very clearly just a little bit better, and it's noticeable. Like when you watch ten games of guys, you see it's like okay, this is the better guy, no matter what's going on in draft conversations. And so, if this is what I would do, I would draft Bush. Yeah, I. I, I uh... I like and respect that pick because I agree. I think Bush is better than uh, than Devin White. 
So yeah. that, gi- that gives me at six the New York Giants. God, good lord. Um, I don't know. I mean, you they need a quarterback, but I don't want Dwayne Haskins. Especially not <laughs> six overall. Like, gosh. And I'm not doing uh, the kid from Duke, Daniel Jones. I like Daniel Jones, but he's not a sixth overall draft pick. Yeah. This is Although tough. he made draft day, which is insane. I mean, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what in the world to do. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is they've also added a hole at wide receiver because they traded Odell. So yes. You know, now it's almost like they have so many needs that it's impossible to tell what to do. So, I mean, I'm glad you're having fun. <sighs> this sucks. Um, okay, so I've got a couple of names on my mind. I'll throw them out there. Um, name number one, Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Name number two, Jonah Williams, the tackle from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's really it. I mean, I don't know what else they would need because they need an impact player. I'll give him Ed Oliver. I'll do that. Uh, that's That's a good pick. Okay, so – the reason, and this is our mock draft, so it's not you know what the Giants will do. The reason nobody mocks in there is because, for whatever reason, uh, Gettleman has uh, obviously it's because he's insane, uh, but he has this weird fascination with bigger defensive linemen. Like he would much rather draft a guy who's three hundred and fifteen pounds than a guy who's two hundred and eighty-five pounds, like Ed Oliver is. Yeah. So Quinnen Williams is his dream. Like he's a huge defensive tackle who's got power and who also you know can get to the quarterback. Like that, like he, I'm sure he goes to bed every night so sad that Saquon Barkley was just enough to pick him up to where they can't get a quarterback or Quinnen Williams, but they've also you know that that would be the perfect fit. But Oliver's great. Like he could probably walk in and be their best edge rusher if he wanted to. Like that's another big position of need. But I mean, there I have no problem with taking probably the maybe third best player in this draft like i mean he's outstanding so yeah that you nailed it but it does mess yeah me up. i mean i just i can't take a quarterback there i, I don't like any of the quarterbacks enough no. and and i don't think that an offensive line would an offensive line would make a, as big an impact for that football team as ed oliver would so that that was my logic Will, you get the Jags now at seven. It's hard to go wrong with this one. Yeah, like, you say that, but the I mean, Jags... I think like, I know what I would do. Well, okay. It, full disclosure, I, I'm not going to pick exactly like I would, because if I was picking, I would replace Miles Jack, who is a habitual <laughs> mistake. Like, he is terrible in coverage. He's terrible against run defense. And I don't know how he grades highly or why people like him or whatever. But, you know, everybody still talks about it like he and uh, Jalen Smith are both, like, good picks. No, the the Cowboys made the right decision, and the Jaguars made a terrible mistake. So, and it's not even an injury issue. He's just not very good. So, there's a strong chance with this pick that I just go ahead and take Devin White because I I like Devin White a lot and replace Mm -hmm. Miles Jack. And then I use Miles Jack as a running back and replace Leonard Fournette. But you that, said, that was not true. But, but you said but, you're not going to do that. So what no, are I'm you not, going to do? But it's very tempting. Uh, okay, so you have to take offensive line here, and they're going to take Jonah Williams. Okay, that's Partial, what, that's who I had in mind. 
yeah, like it, it just makes it just too good of a fit. He's going to be somebody that Coughlin loves. He's going to make so much sense for a team that wants to run first. He, you know, I I love Jonah Williams as a top ten guy, even though people have you know balked at it in the past. But I think his stock is kind of rising back up again because there's a reports that you know he takes every pass rusher he's going to face, and he take you know he watches every pass rush snap and like. uh, he doesn't diagram he like creates these web charts of you know this guy from lsu uses an outside rip and his best counter is an inside spin and he used it 12 percent of the time and he'll create graphs to like visualize it so like all that kind of stuff is i mean offensive line coaches and coaches who were more oriented towards the run anyway like the jaguars are they're going to hear that from an interview and they're just going to lose their mind so I think he makes too much sense. Nick Foles is historically terrible when he doesn't get good protection, like so much so that I think he got cut from the Rams and then he went on and found an offensive system that fit him better. But I mean, if you're paying this guy, you know, what is it? 50 million guaranteed. A lot of money. Like if you're paying him that much money, then you better protect him. And, we're a year away from saying that the Jaguars need a new running back because they don't have a running game. So in the meantime, they need to make their offense as potent as possible in other ways, which is probably passing. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pencil that in. So now we're at the uh, the Detroit Lions, my least favorite team in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I mean, I guess they're set at receiver with uh, – Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Stafford is the quarterback for now, at least. Liked on Johnson, what he was able to do as a rookie. They've got some pieces on the offensive line, so I don't want to go there. Uh, so, so my options are probably realistically maybe tight end. They did lose Eric Ebron, although they didn't lose much in him, considering they didn't get much out of him. And, and some kind of an impact player on the defense. You know, they've got... Some talent in the secondary, obviously. Um, Darius Slay, one of the better corners in the NFL. But perhaps on on the way back in, they're not quite as up to snuff. This is another tough one for me. Like the Jaguars, it was an easy one for me. I, um, hmm. So, so the names I'm kind of floating around, uh, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, Montez Sweat, the pass rusher from uh, Mississippi State, yep. and Hawkinson, though that's not – you know, I'm going to take Montez Sweat because this is what what we're doing, and yep. that's what my gut tells me. My gut tells me get the impact player, and right now I believe that Montez Sweat is the best impact player on the board. This is a guy who produced at a high level for multiple years in college – and test it off the charts at the combine. See, if you just have the combine testing but not the production, things don't match up. He's got both, which tells me that he is an elite talent. And despite these bogus injury reports that have come out today, I still think that here in this situation at pick number eight, Montez Sweat is the best player available for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you know, I don't think the heart issue is as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. I think there was a a report from the Combine, like, months ago, maybe. Uh, And and maybe this isn't right. Maybe I'm remembering a different player and conflating the two. But for some reason, I remember that this was an issue 
during the combine, and then he came out and blew up the combine, and people didn't talk about it, and then now it's picking up traction or whatever. I'm guessing because somebody's floating stuff out there hoping he falls, and, you know, maybe it's somebody whose coach has the same agent as Montez Sweat, and they think that he's going to go top 10 to a team that's going to be bad. Or maybe it's Maybe it's one of those weird scenarios that, we'll kind of put the puzzle pieces together better when we know where he goes. But I mean, th- this stuff is really either, you know, it drops you two picks or it drops you to the fifth round. Yeah. So we'll know on draft day how much teams are concerned because if he makes it to 32 and doesn't go to the Patriots who notoriously don't really care that much about injuries, then if he, pa- if he goes to 33 after that, then we'll know that, every team in the NFL has a big red flag on him and that he probably won't go day two either. Uh, if yeah. I had to, guess. but I don't know. I mean, we don't know his medicals. Like we can't knock him for things that are speculated. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, if he's fine off the field and his health is fine. Yeah. He's definitely a top 10 pick at edge. Like that's where he belongs. You got the bills at nine. Yeah. Uh, this is, Maybe the first strange pick, I guess, of the mock is I'm going to take Andre Dillard uh, from Washington State. He's maybe my favorite non-Jonah Williams offensive tackle because he reminds me so much of Taylor Lewan when he comes out, except he's not as nasty. He's kind of got this thinner frame that makes him look really athletic, and then when the ball is snapped, he's like lightning. I mean, he can reach block. He can get to the next level. So quick. I mean, you would mistake him for a tight end if you didn't realize who he was. He, he is mm-hmm. so fun to watch. He's great in pass protection. Uh, his big knock is, you know, is he going to be able to run block? I don't know that he can't. I just know that Mike Leach isn't a guy who's going to call a lot of runs. So, you know, that that doesn't bother me. Like, I don't want to knock a guy for just – just like I don't knock running backs when they aren't throwing the ball, you know – I don't knock them for that because I'm sure they've caught a thousand balls in practice. And, you know, there's plenty of players who can catch at the college level who can't catch at the NFL level. So, you know, I don't knock people for things I can't see them do or I didn't get a chance to see them fail at. I can just grade on what I see. And, I mean, Dillard is a phenomenal athlete. He's, you know, based on his athletic profile, he's almost guaranteed to be successful. So I'm just going to go ahead and pencil him in top 10. I mean, he just makes too much sense for a team like the bills who I think they've signed something like eight offensive line. Maybe that's too much. Maybe it's four or five offensive linemen this off season, but it's all guys like Quentin Spain and guys kind of lower on the rung who could probably start if they had to. But if you have to start them, you're probably not in a great situation. So yeah, go ahead and get him and you know, run the read option with your quarterback that can't throw. Okay, with this next pick, um, the Denver Broncos at 10. Everyone thinks they're going to take Drew Locke. I don't understand the hype surrounding Drew Locke, so that's not what I'm doing here. I'm going all in on helping Joe Flacco, who had his best year ever when he had at wide receiver – Jacoby Jones and Anquan Bolden, and at tight end, Dennis Pitta. So what do the Broncos have? What wide receiver? They've got Emmanuel Sanders and the kid from uh, from SMU, Cortland Sutton. And then at tight end, they have what? Nothing? So I'm going to give them TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, so I, I'm with you. 
in in terms of like Hawkinson's a good tight end and he'll help them a lot. I don't like tight ends of the first round. Um, I just they historically don't do well. The yeah. value not really there for me. And everybody, and this seems to happen every year, but everybody's like, yeah, but this guy's different. And yeah, like. I've heard that before. I heard that does OJ. happen every year. It happened yeah. with OJ Howard and Njoku and Eric Ebron and all those guys. Yeah. And every year they fail to live up to expectations. And it's not because, you know, Njoku's a good player. But anytime he's, he's Baker. A tight end. Yeah. Like, but anytime Baker gets a chance, he's not going to throw the ball to Njoku. He's going to throw it to Landry or to Odell now or like any of the Higgins, any of those other guys. Like, that, that's never going to be a quarterback's primary target. Or at least it's very rarely going to be a quarterback's primary target. So you're essentially trying to upgrade the third guy your quarterback should look at, or the guy who's supposed to help you in run blocking. And it just inherently it doesn't make sense because if your offense is run through the tight end, you're going to have a mediocre offense. Like it, it's not it's not fun. And you know maybe Green Bay does that. Like Green Bay, you know, has Matt LaFleur now, and he loved to run extra tight ends, and he loved to have Stalker line up as a fullback and all that kind of weird stuff. So maybe they do that. But I just – I don't love the value there when almost on a yearly basis the second-round tight ends do better than the first-round tight ends. All right, you have got the uh, the Bengals at pick 11. Yeah, this is easy. Uh, Devin White for sure. Um like I said, I like Devin White a lot, and they've had guys like Vontez Perfect at linebacker who are more athletically prone to play defensive tackle. So, yeah, like give them an athletic, give him an athletic linebacker and let them go. More athletically prone to play defensive tackle. Dude, he ran like a five-two or something. Like he ran a terrible forty. So I've got the Packers and uh, here at pick twelve, and um, this is another this is another really tough one. Because their biggest need heading into the offseason was edge pass rusher, but they went out and spent so much money at that spot that that's not a need anymore. Their defensive back group is is relatively solid. They did lose HaHa Clinton Dix in a trade to the Redskins and ultimately in free agency to, I believe, Kansas City, right? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so now they're left with some, some pretty good corners that they drafted over the last few years. But but I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers some help because their receivers are really just outside of Devontae Adams. It's it's bad. I'm going to give the Packers uh, DK Metcalf. Okay. Uh, no, no, wait. I take that back. I take that back. Okay. I'm going to give the Packers A.J. Brown. Oh, okay. There you go. Because I think that would be a nice compliment to Devontae Adams. And just another reliable guy for Aaron Rodgers. I think Metcalf is too flashy to work with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I can get, I can get behind that. Like, especially when you've already got like a number one receiver. Like, it, I don't, I don't, I don't know that his skill set fits with his personality. I don't know if he's going to take well to being a number two wide receiver, which is probably what he should be in the NFL. So that that'll be a very interesting dynamic. All right, you have now the uh, the Miami Dolphins at pick thirteen. So the Dolphins are weird because they don't want to win games this year. So I just I, I keep find myself I just find myself looking at them and saying, you know, what would keep them from winning games this year? 
and I could draft Drew Locke, but then they would just, <laughs> you know, in the same position that they, that the Cardinals are with Rosen, and it ended up biting me. So uh, it's tough. I, I thought about defensive tackle for a long time, but I think I'm just going to go and pick uh, Noah Fant, the tight end, other tight end from Iowa, just because I've said before I don't but think did, there's did, – Didn't they just draft Jessicki? Yeah, but like – I don't know. I, I I watched him, and I thought he was going to be really fun to watch, but he just did not impress me at all. And people are talking about Noah Fant as like a potential like wide receiver convert, like as just somebody who can go out and catch passes, and you know you don't have yeah. to you line him up. And I don't like I don't know how long Devontae is going to be there. Like they they don't like him or or whatever that whole dynamic is. That that's so weird to me. So. They need to set up for drafting Herbert or Tua in 2020 when they have a top three pick. The best way to do that is draft a guy who's not going to make an impact as a rookie. Tight ends, check. Get them somebody who can who can catch the ball, check. And then get you somebody who can occasionally help you in the run game to make it easier on your quarterback. So yeah, like this this is kind of a sneaky place for Hawkinson to go if he didn't go before uh, the Dolphins. But it, that that's where I'm going to go in this draft. I just think you don't take a tight end in the first round two years in a row. Do they take him in the first round? I, you know, after I said that, I kind of wondered. I'm googling. I'm googling now. We'll we'll do a quick research project on this because I Sec- thought he was, he was a, a, he was a second round draft pick. Was he a second round draft pick? Yeah, he's not. He's not good enough to be a second round draft pick. Like well, he was. It, I mean. Yeah, he may be, but he should not have been. Uh, so you're so you're taking Noah Font for the Dolphins. That puts me yeah. at pick fourteen with the Atlanta Falcons. Going through the names for this pick in my head, I really want to take Brian Burns for the Falcons because on offense the problem has never been talent. The problem is that they can't get out of their own way. You know, so. Yeah. There's nothing I could add in terms of talent. On the outside, they have arguably the best receiving core with Mohamed Sanu and uh, and Julio and uh, and who's the other guy they have? Taylor, or not Taylor Gabriel, uh, the guy from Alabama, Calvin Ridley. And, yeah. and, and if you hadn't taken Font, I might have gone in that direction. But, you know, I just think getting another pass rusher because Vic Beasley has sort of tailed off, I think that pick makes sense for them. Yeah, I mean, that that's a solid pick. I don't, I wonder if they'll like take another chance on a smaller defensive end because they did it with Tack McKinley and Tack McKinley was good, but I think there was some there, there's some kind of rift between them for whatever reason. And then uh, Vic Beasley is kind of you know he kind of was that guy too where he was just mostly a pass rusher in college. Yeah, and then he had a really good season, but he's had two bad seasons. So I wonder if they go that way. Christian Wilkins is still on the board, and I really wonder if that's where they look. Um, but that, I'm I mean, just not a huge fan of that guy. I'm yeah, gonna be honest. I, I I completely understand. It's it's a weird position to take in the top 16 or so because, like we've said, if you're a defensive tackle who isn't going to come out and get six plus sacks a year, it, the value for us isn't there. Yeah, but on draft day. From all the stuff you hear, it seems like defensive tackle might be where they look. But yeah, I mean, I love Brian Burns, so 
That's fine with me. You've got the Redskins now at pick uh, 15. And if you want to trade up with yourself, there's a way that it could work and that I would approve it. What's the way that it could work? If you do it for Josh Rosen. Oh, I could do that. Hmm. Okay, hold on. That's that's because you you would then be picking for Arizona. Yeah, they they desperately need. Hmm. Okay, I think that, I think that trade would make a ton of sense for them because not only are you getting a quarterback, but you're also if you're Jay Gruden buying yourself some time because you get to say, hey, you know. We we got almost got to the playoffs last year with Alex Smith. He got hurt. Obviously, you know what were we supposed to do with Josh Johnson and, and and Mark Sanchez? So now we've taken this rookie quarterback. Right, it wasn't great this year with him, but but we're gonna be able to you know take steps forward in the future with Josh Rosen. That's the argument you get to make if you're Jay Gruden and this happens. Do the Redskins? The Redskins have their own second round pick, as far as I know. I think if first straight up would be enough for this pick, or for. But I don't. I don't think they'll get that. Like I think a draft day trade. Like I think something that'll blow them away is they trade the Cardinals fifteen for. Oh yeah, sorry. It would be the it would be the Cardinals. So the Cardinals trade thirty three and Josh Rosen for fifteen because you move all the way up into the first half of the draft. But I wonder if they, I, I tell you what it doesn't it doesn't matter what they would do that's what I'm going to do. So the Redskins are going to end up with Josh Rosen. That's a good call. The Redskins get an actually good quarterback and don't have to overdraft Drew Locke. And instead, the Cardinals move up to 15, and uh, the Redskins would be on the board at 33. Where I'm sure there'll be a player because they mostly need wide receiver, which is where I was looking. So spoiler alert: uh, if Hakeem Butler somehow doesn't go in the first round, he, he would go to them. So that that's kind of what Redskins fans should be thinking. So, okay, let's say that the Cardinals now have the 15th pick in the draft all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. That makes me reevaluate the board a little bit. But they need to just go best player. So if they're thinking best player available, hmm. I tell you what, I would go ahead and go with Christian Wilkins because I think if you put Chandler Jones and Christian Wilkins on the same defensive line, yeah, that all of a sudden you have a really good defense because they still have Patrick Peterson, who's very good. I mean, they probably could use an upgrade at linebacker at some point in this draft. Like, I mean, I think but, you can still play Hassan I mean, Reddick. Yeah, like he he's still a functional like player. Then the other the other conversation is do they trade and grab an offensive lineman here before there's a run on them? And I thought about that, but for whatever reason, the NFL is really high on Christian Wilkins, and I I'm not all the way on board with like the top twelve, stop top fourteen stuff. Like, but if the Cardinals trade up and they've already got a bona fide pass rusher, they just drafted their quarterback who you know does better in scramble situations anyway. Christian Wilkins to me, makes a ton of sense. So I'm going to go ahead and slot them in there, knowing that they want to trade Kim Dietschy anyway. So maybe this gives them the green light to go ahead and pull the trigger and trade Kim Dietschy for a day three pick or maybe a late day two pick swap. So that's a good move. 
So uh, that gives me the Panthers at 16. Um, I'm going to take Garrett Bradbury with this pick. Really? Yeah, just quick replacement for Matt Khalil, or Ryan Khalil, rather. I, I may need to check to make sure they didn't add somebody because somebody added a center. I thought it was them, but I could very well be wrong. I don't recall them adding a center. You could very well be correct. Because I think the Panthers are a pretty talented team. No, they, they added Matt Paradise. Oh, yeah. Take that right. back. Take you that could back. You could definitely say that you put him at left guard. No, I'm not doing that. I okay. think Eric Bradbury is a center. Um that's true. So, so that changes things a little bit. I think now what I'm going to do is go with uh, – do I want a corner or do I want a pass rusher? Because it's either going to be for, for this pick, Clellan Farrell or uh, the corner from, uh, from Georgia. Uh, I mean, I would probably go with pass rusher. Yeah, I'm going to go Clellan Farrell with this pick. Then. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think the Panthers used to rely pretty heavily on Josh Johnson, or excuse me, not Josh Johnson, Charles Johnson. Yeah. And, and Julius Peppers, I believe, retired finally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just think they could use someone at that spot that, that can be relied on because you're asking a lot at this point of Kawan Short and Star Lotulale to, to just rely on those two guys. That I mean, that that checks out with me. I've I've got no problem. Anytime you can add an edge rusher who helps you, I, I think know, you should. Oh, let me correct myself. I just had a Stephen A. Smith moment. Starla Tulale is a Bill now. Yeah, with the Bills. Yeah. Okay. Still though, the the logic still stands. Yeah. All right, you've got the New York Giants at pick seventeen. So the Giants took Ed Oliver with the first their first first round pick. So they slash I did. Yes, yeah, they slash I did. So now they're in a situation where they still need a quarterback, but again, I do not like these quarterbacks. And I don't I don't know that they really want to put themselves in a situation where they draft a quarterback this year, mainly because I think Gettleman, not that he would ever admit it, is a little bit scared that if he misses on a quarterback this year and spends a first-round pick on it, you end up with the pick you traded for Odell Beckham being a bust quarterback when last year you could have just gone and drafted Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or whoever with the first pick, which was number two overall, and instead you drafted a pretty good running back. So I don't think they'll in, – in this scenario, I don't think they'll draft a quarterback if I had to pick. So with that, I'm going to go and give him Rashawn Gary. And I'm just okay. going to go with the premise that give them two athletic freaks, line them up wherever you want to, and get upfield and affect Tom Brady and, you know, not Tom Brady, sorry, uh, affect <laughs> – Carson, sorry, Carson Wentz and whoever the Redskins have, which is now Josh Rosen, and you know, really wreak havoc as much as you can because they don't have any good edge rushers. Yeah. So it, they they're going to kind of have to make something out of nothing, and they missed out on all the top edge rushers in this draft just barely. So go ahead and give them Rashawn Gary, who 
I think probably needs to play defensive tackle, but who could also get some snaps outside. And he's one of the bigger names in the draft, and it seems like that might be another thing that Gettleman's kind of interested in is getting another big name. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with that. So now I have the Vikings at 18, and I have a friend that's a Vikings fan, and every time I see him he tells me how much they need offensive line help. And so I'm going to give them a blessing with Chris Lindstrom, the guard from Boston College. That's a good pick. I really like him. Because Josh Klein is not his. Yeah. It, Josh, uh, Lindstrom should have been coming to Tennessee to replace Josh Klein, but instead he's going to Minnesota to replace Josh Klein. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you, now you've got the Titans at 19. With, with let, let's kind of recap as, we're, as yeah. we get here. All of the big pass rushers, including Rashawn Gary, off the board. Mm-hmm. Christian Wilkins, off the board. Chris Lindstrom, another player frequently mocked to the Titans, off the board. Both of the Iowa tight ends frequently mocked to the Titans, off the board. There seems to me to be one pretty clear pick here, but I know that Garrett Bradbury is not someone that you are in love with we don't have to go over we, – we've talked about on the show before that you don't think he's that good against high-caliber competition. So what's your pick here? Yeah, so uh, you're right. That's That wouldn't be my pick. Uh, if this if this draft falls this way – I would take Bryberry if this were me. But yeah. this isn't me. Uh, I mean – you know what? The top player left on the board is an offensive tackle. And the Titans don't need an offensive tackle at all. But you know who might need an offensive tackle is Houston. Now, I don't know that this would ever happen in reality. But uh-huh. I know that if I control both teams, there is, there's nobody I'm in love with right here. Yeah. So, Wh- Which it, offensive tackle are you talking about? Uh, Jawan Taylor from Florida. Okay. Okay. So, I think that if I'm the Texans, I would call call John Robinson, knowing that he'd make a trade with anybody. And I mean, if I'm if I'm the Titans, I'm also calling the Seahawks and telling them the same thing. Uh, so, you know, it, that's probably the more realistic trade. But just for fun, well, well, just, the Seahawks wouldn't be trading up because they would just get that player because Pittsburgh's not taking a tackle at twenty. So That's it, true. it would be Houston That's having true. to jump Seattle for this. Yeah. Um, I guess it's more about the fact that it's like you've got to be afraid that everybody knows you need offensive line help, and even though you've got a penchant for drafting defensive linemen. So yes. this is kind of the murderer's row where it's like it's starting to get, you know, you've got – one offensive tackle really that's a pure offensive tackle that's going to go in this range and then everybody from here on out is a reach so in just for this experiment and just because i think at this point if the draft falls this way john robinson will trade down not necessarily with the texans but for you know i only control so many teams so i'm going to go ahead and have the titans trade down to 24 and have the texans move up and take jawan taylor uh, so what are the terms of the trade again? Uh, four future first-round picks from Houston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins. Uh, it, it would probably be, for this pick, it would probably be the second rounder is what you want. But it's probably not what you get. So you probably start there and you probably end up with adding a third rounder. So 
the Titans move from 20 to 24, pick up a third-round pick, and the Texans end up getting Jawan Taylor. I decline that trade if I'm the Titans and say, give me your sixth, too. Give me a one and a three and a six to move up what, five spots in round one. Yeah, it is weird because John Robinson does like those late-round picks. So I could definitely see him doing something like that. Uh, I, okay, so let's make it that because the Texans won't care. I mean, they, they're bent over a barrel here. Like, they're they're in trouble. So go go ahead and trade down. You pick up, you know – I call myself and I say it'll take a first and a third, and, you, and then I also say no, it'll take a first, a third, and a second, and then I make the deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good deal. So uh, you're taking Jawan Taylor with the Texans mm-hmm. for the sake of time. Let's kind of, because we're getting close to the one hour mark, and I don't want to bore our listeners too badly. So so let's kind of not rush through, but but make our way through these picks until 23 pretty quickly. I start with the Steelers. At pick 20, they need a lot, especially after losing um, Antonio Brown. They could use some some kind of a spark plug on offense. And I can't decide if DK Metcalf or uh, Debo Samuel is more of a Pittsburgh Steeler receiver guy. But I don't think it matters because I'm going to take the uh, – I can't ever think of his name. The cornerback from Georgia. DeAndre Baker. Yes, I'm taking DeAndre Baker with this pick. Okay. Because that, Cody Sensabaugh uh, needs to go. Yeah, that's, that is an interesting pick. So now you've got... Uh, I've got the Seahawks. Yes, the Seahawks are 21. They won't take a quarterback. You know what? Okay, so... This is kind of strange because it's our first defensive backs pick. Defensive back picks going back to back. I'm going to go ahead and take Taylor Rapp out of uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not personally super high on him, but just as a fit, like I think he makes a ton of sense. I think he's really smart. I think he's a solid tackler, which is something that Seattle likes a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a safety and just make that team not infinitely better, but similar to what it used to be. Okay, I can I can roll with that. I've got the Ravens at pick 22 now. The Ravens lost a lot of their receiving core from last season. They lost uh, Michael Crabtree. They lost John Brown. I'm going to give them a receiver. I'm going to go DK Metcalf here. I, I think that's a pretty good value at that spot, and it gives Lamar Jackson someone to stretch the outside of the field. Yeah, it's good. Like, gives him somebody to kind of scramble, drill, and just yeah. throw deep and let him big body somebody. I, exactly. I, I like that. And now uh, you've got the Titans at twenty three. Yeah. Okay. So the Titans at twenty three. Uh, I take the guy I would have taken at nineteen if I had to, and I go ahead and just add Eric McCoy over He's Bradbury. Over Bradbury. Now, I guess I guess we should talk about this since this is the Titans pick. Yeah. So people need to remember that. Two years ago, the Titans had one of the best offensive lines in football. And that quickly, it went from having DeMarco Murray be the leading rusher in the AFC and Derrick Henry looking like he was going to be a star behind him. It, it went from that to having one of the worst offensive lines in football. 
And that's not because of the tackles. The tackles were fine. I mean, Taylor Wan's great. Conklin's been up and down because he's been injured. Fine. It's not really even that much because of the interior, because it was the same interior that was part of the best offensive line or part of the offensive line unit that was really good two years ago. So the question is, what's the issue? And it's scheme. The Titans have gone through so many offensive coordinators in the past five years that, and I believe it's one every year. Isn't that right? It's something like four in five years or something or five. Yeah, something crazy. So you've got to remember that while the Titans are using a zone blocking scheme now, next year history has told us they will not be using that. And I don't think Arthur Smith is going to be hired as head coach or anything like that. But I also didn't think Matt LaFleur was either. So I just don't know. So let's say they do switch schemes and they don't run a zone scheme anymore. Well, Garrett Bradbury is not a fit in a non-zone scheme. He is His biggest asset is his ability to get out in front of people when they're running outside zone concepts and essentially count for two blockers because he can get places that usually you have to use a guard to get to. That's his big defining trait. The issue that you're going to have if you have Bradbury in, in any scenario is that the one time he went against NFL caliber talent was when he went against Clemson. We've talked about this before, but I mean, he gave up four or five hurries and like it, it, he was constantly in the quarterback's lap and he was a problem. He was a weakness, not a not a strength for that team in that game. And I mean, he's going to see those guys every week. So if you've got, you know, if Mario does a quarterback and you're worried about his health, you're going to put a guy who's got a transition from North Carolina State to the NFL who struggles with bull rushers and you know struggles with pressure in his face. You're going to put that guy as your starting center, and I just don't think that'll work. So you've either got to move him or not. Eric McCoy's not that. Eric McCoy held Quinnen Williams to zero sacks, and I think maybe like one tackle for loss that wasn't his fault. And he also held... Uh, the combination of Jeffrey Simmons, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence to zero sacks. Like he was very good against all the all the NFL caliber players he went against. And when it's all said and done, he probably went up against, you know, in in Simmons, uh, Williams, and Christian Wilkins, he probably went up against three of the best six defensive linemen at your front, you know, front seven guys, I guess, in this draft class. So. You know, he's got a body work that's proven. He's athletic enough to play in his own scheme, even though he won't necessarily be special there. But he'll keep people off of Mariota, and he can be on the line no matter what scheme you use for the next 10 years. So I'm going to go thinking long-term and short-term and add McCoy. Yeah, I, I, I would not make that decision, but I understand where you're coming from. All right, we, we've got about what, eight or nine picks left. Let's just kind of fly through these. Um Oakland at 24, you know, we, we talked about how they have so many needs that it's hard to pick just one. They lost Amari Cooper. I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown with this pick. I think oh, that's, that's a John Gruden guy all the way. I think that really helps that football team. And he gets to play with uh, Antonio, his cousin. Yes, he does. All right, you've got the Eagles at 25. Okay, uh, Eagles at 25. Uh, I mean, this would be a great schematic fit for uh, McCoy to fall, or not McCoy, for Garrett Bradbury to go to. But, I mean, they're set, so they don't need that. So, 
uh, with that in mind, I guess the best player I can take for them is Josh Joshua Jacobs. I, I think he goes by Josh. Okay. Josh, the running back from Alabama. Yeah. He's electric, and I think that you know the Eagles' offense looked so mediocre when they played the Titans, and they looked like that for most of the year. Yeah. So you know they definitely need somebody explosive, and there's very few explosive players now that Hollywood's gone. So I would go ahead and just pencil him in. That just makes sense to me. I've got the Colts at uh, at pick twenty six, and here I'm going to take Jeffrey Simmons. I think, okay, go ahead. I, I just think I think they need juice on the defensive line. They need bodies, and they, they need talent, and I think that's a guy that could give them that. I don't love yeah. Jeffrey Simmons as a prospect, but I think you've got decent value here at 26 in that player, and I think you've got a big need as well. Yeah, so I was going to actually take him uh, with the next pick because I'm, I'm right there with you. Like He kind of is a guy who, if he's healthy, great. If he's not, you know, you'll, I mean, good luck, I guess, because you've got a 315-pound, essentially a nose tackle, and you're going to play him with a hurt ACL and expect him to be back. And I I think he's going to have problems. But he made sense to me for the Raiders because they have three picks. They can take a gamble and maybe end up with, you know, a great player like that. And then in three years, when by the time he's actually healthy, they can trade uh, Hurst or they can make a move that way to kind of make themselves better. Or they can go to a three-man front. But that's, that option's off the table for me. So I guess, I guess with the Raiders, I'm going to go with Greedy Williams. I, I don't love Greedy Williams, but he is kind of like the perfect player for Oakland. Like, super confident. I mean... Shut down DK Metcalf when they played. He's done, you know, he was much better last year than he was this year, but people say that maybe he kind of took some plays off because he was afraid of getting hurt. If you get a great corner in Oakland with the rest of the talent you've added, that that could be an actually fun team to watch instead of what I really expect they will be. So, yeah, he makes sense to me. All right, uh, moving right along. Uh, the L.A. Chargers at pick 28. I'm going to take Bradbury with this pick. Bradbury. Okay. It, it, would you take Bradbury over Dwayne Haskins? Yes. Okay. That's that's all That's all I'll ask. Okay. Because Chargers are in win-now mode. Sorry. Okay. You take Dwayne. If, you, if I'm a Chargers fan and they take Dwayne Haskins, I would be pissed. Because that tells me that they're building for the future instead of trying to win a Super Bowl when they are within their window. So, yeah, I mean, Garrett Bradbury. They, yeah, if, that, if that's your methodology, I completely get that. And I, like I said, I, I don't necessarily think it's the best fit, like long term, because you've got a chance at a really pretty solid quarterback here. But yeah, that's that makes total sense. Uh, Chief, so I've got Kansas City. Yeah, Chiefs at twenty nine. They need help. Literally, I mean, literally anywhere on the defense. Yeah. Um. The problem is, it's like. Okay, you, you go Byron Murphy to one Washington now, corner to replace another. I'm, I'm gonna go with Jakai Polite, okay. and it's it's because I think they need to take kind of a high risk, high reward scenario here, and because I think they're good enough offensively where it'll almost be a situation where with him in the spotlight, he won't want all this negative stuff to like mess him up with attention on him. 
So I think he might actually go out there and have like a really good, you know, year with that kind of culture and that kind of spotlight. So I'm going to go ahead and put him here. Okay. Uh, Green Bay Packers at 30. Again, a very hard team to, uh, to pick for. Who did they take earlier? They took... I, I took uh, A.J. Brown earlier for them. That's a good pick. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Um, this, is, this is really hard. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't even really have a uh, – I'm struggling to think of players so that would make you, sense. You could, go, you could go Cody Ford here because they need they need better interior players in general. Yeah. And also they could use a replacement for Brian Bulaga. And they've got to go against uh, the pass rushers with the Detroit now with Flowers going there. They've got to go against uh, the Vikings pass rush and the Bears pass rush. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with Cody Ford. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that as a fit. And then you've got your last pick is L.A. Rams at 31. Yeah. Um, again, this is such a weird play. Like They're so good, it's hard to pick. Um I'll take Jerry Tillery. I, I like Tillery a lot. He probably should go higher than this, and he probably will go higher than this. He's kind of a six-six like three technique, so he would be almost redundant with Aaron Donald. But at the same yeah. time, you use him like they used Sue on pass rushdowns, where you kind of stunt those guys and you move them over to edge sometimes, and then you let them like play games on the front. Like I think they're missing that Sioux type guy that made their defense more fun last year. So give him Jerry Tillery. And at worst you've got a rotational three technique and you can move, uh, Aaron Donald around. Now I have the Patriots at pick 32. Um, this is a puzzling one. Do I go Daniel Jones, the quarterback from Duke? Do I go Byron Murphy, who I think is probably the best player available at this point? Haskins is still on the board. Ha- yeah, Haskins is there too. I like Daniel Jones a little more than Haskins. Maybe oh. I don't know. You like, don't, about, don't quote me on that. Yeah, what about Drew Locke? Like I hate Drew Locke, but he seems like the type of player the Patriots could take at thirty-two and then trick another team into trading a first round for in the future. And meanwhile, he has like three good games as a backup quarterback. Yeah, I'm just gonna go. I think I'm gonna go best player available and get Byron Murphy here. Because I'm okay. not in love with any of these quarterbacks, and I don't think any of them is the next J- Jimmy Garoppolo. So, so did we one quarterback go in the entire first round? Uh, Kyler Murray at pick one. Wow. And Josh Rosen got traded. What, yeah. what we like? Th- this is why, like, when we did give the disclaimer at first about the mock draft, like, this is not what's going to happen. Like we. Oh, oh yeah, I, I have a feeling that. Well, we know Haskins is going to go in the first round somewhere, right? Oh yeah. Uh. Drew Locke, probably, you would think. Daniel Jones, probably, you would think. Things start to get tricky when you get into, you know, Will Greer territory. You know, where there are going to be five quarterbacks go first round. I don't, I couldn't really see that happening. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because the rumor now is that it's more likely for five quarterbacks to go in the first round than three. So it's like, you know, if those are true then it's prob- that probably means that either the Chargers or the Patriots are going to take them. And I think if the Patriots want, want a guy they actually like, they may have to trade up. And they've got a million day two picks. I think they've got three picks in the second round and two in the third or something like that, or maybe it's vice versa. But 
I mean, they've got plenty of ammunition to move up. Not that Belichick just doesn't value those picks, but at a certain point, if he's like, I need a backup quarterback who can actually have value and start for me, like he may, I mean, he may call the Titans. Like, I think that's very possible because if, if especially if the draft comes up like this, that's a trade I could have made too if I was thinking about it at the time. Or well, I guess I didn't have New England, but is they could have traded up to twenty and taken Haskins and let him be, you know, or or Locke or any of those guys and let him be trade bait for the future. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, once you get toward the end of the first round. I think that could potentially turn out to be a, a Denver Broncos Paxton Lynch situation where a team's going to trade back into the first round to get one of these guys because you know as you go you know we can say all day long that the, there's going to be five quarterbacks going the first round because it's that, there just always is there's not many teams that really need a quarterback that badly though the Dolphins aren't going to take a quarterback I, yeah. I cannot see that happening obviously Arizona's going to take Kyler Murray at one but like I'm looking through. The Raiders aren't going to take a quarterback unless it's Kyler Murray miraculously falling to them because Derek Carr is better than any of these other guys. Tampa Bay sold on Jameis Winston. Maybe New York and Dwayne Haskins. But then after that, Jacksonville just paid Nick Foles. That's not happening. Detroit has uh, Matthew Stafford. Buffalo, Josh Allen. Maybe Drew Locke to the Broncos, but they did just trade for Flacco. Maybe something to – you know, there's a lot of maybes, whereas last year it was a lot of, okay, this team has to draft a quarterback. This team is 100% going to draft a quarterback. This year as I go through, other than Arizona, it's a lot of maybes. Yeah, Washington needs to too, but if they have this trade done, then like that, then they're off the board. I mean, it, you know, Green Bay gets a lot of rumors about quarterbacks. Cincinnati is somewhere where I if if – White wasn't on the board, Devin White wasn't on the board, and I just didn't like him so much, then, you know, like, let's say Devin White goes 10 to the Broncos instead. I'm not taking Hawkinson. I probably take Haskins there. So, like, do do either the Bengals take Haskins at 11 or trade up for somebody with their second-round pick? You know, I could see that happening. Um, the Giants seem like a likely candidate either in the top 10 or in at 17. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's like the playoff teams usually have, like, a really old quarterback that nobody's prepared for. And really, like, the Chargers and the Patriots are the only teams in that scenario. And then other than that, it's a bunch of teams with, like, some mediocre quarterback play or teams like the Dolphins who don't even want to win games this year. So why would they take a quarterback in the middle of the draft? Yeah, and I think that's what's going to make this so interesting. I don't think this class is as talented as last year's class. But I think that makes the draft more interesting in that I can't figure out where a lot of these teams are going to go. Yeah, I mean, the the big, you know, and I feel like we hear this every year, but the, the, apparently the difference to GMs according to sources is that, you know, from pick 20 to pick 60, there's a bunch of good players, but, you know, the, the value is all basically the same. Like, there's a bunch of starters in this draft, but the players who really blow you away are going to go in the first, you know, 19, 20 picks. And then after that, which usually means the quarterback class is bad, and it usually means there's a bunch of people who didn't separate from the pack at positions like wide receiver and defensive tackle and running back. So, I mean, if there's, ever, if there's a running back uh, run that goes on in the second or third round, the Titans, who probably aren't taking a running back that high, could get a really good player fall to him. But, 
I mean, honestly, if you don't move up with the Dolphins in this draft, I don't know that you're going to have a shot at taking a blue chip defensive lineman or edge rusher. I tend to kind of agree with that, especially with how this exercise that we did shook out. Also, uh, which it's a good reason why it's kind of suspect now that all the Brian Burns and Montez Sweat stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it really feels like, everybody kind of is putting this together now and they're like, well, we need to put this rumor out before, you know, with, with not enough time for it to get substantiated by everybody. So the teams are actually concerned. So let's put this out now. And you see why, like, I think the Cleveland Farrell went 16 overall, went in the top half of the draft. And I think he was our, what, sixth edge rusher, fifth edge rusher. So uh, depending on how you classify Gary, who went the pick after him, but like if that happens, and it very well could happen, then it's a nightmare scenario for a lot of these teams down here who would like a pass rusher. Absolutely. Uh, that's going to do it for us, and, and that's going to do it for our pre-draft coverage. Our next episode, we will know who the Titans have selected, and we will be able to dive in and analyze those decisions. Uh, Matias will be back for that. Until then, for Will, I am Luke. Thanks for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. Uh, enjoy the draft, everyone. It should be a lot of fun. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.